you're tuning in to another OI episode, an Offside Hockey Talk podcast with Jamie Anstey. And what a doozy I have for you guys today. My guest has played over 880 games in the National Hockey League. He was drafted by the California Seals in the 1975 NHL Amateur Draft. Played with the Washington Capitals where he scored 50 goals. Also played with the Capitals and scored 60 goals. He might have had one of the best dusters in the National Hockey League in the 1970s, Mr. Denny Marouk. Dennis, thank you very much for joining me on another episode of the OI with Jamie Anstey. How are things with you? Everything's fine. COVID-19, I guess. That's about it. <laughs> Whereabouts are you residing? Are you still in Ontario, Canada? Yes, I'm in London, Ontario. London, London and Ontario. London, London Ontario. Ontario. That's it. Yeah, about a couple hours from Toronto. So uh, I'm here with my fiance, and uh, we're we're enjoying it. So would would that be the the same lady that I met when we when you were here in Halifax last? No, no, no. Okay, no. Okay. This is it's, all new. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, man. I, I I hope I hope the best for you. I hope. Yeah, yeah. I hope the three. very best for you. Three times a charm, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're a sixty goal man. So maybe <laughs> did you add that to the uh, to the conversation when you when you first? Hey, I scored fifty goals. Then I then I scored ten more to make sixty the next year. Was that part of your uh, you're winning that lady over saying uh, you scored fifty no, and sixty no, in the NHL? I, I would never do that or say that. Um, we hit it off right off the bat. We awesome man. Matter of fact, it was. Uh, Online, we met. Oh, wow. we met online, and uh, I drove from Toronto to London to have dinner, and uh, that's where it all started. Awesome, man. Do you miss doing the charity things? I know I I don't know how many years ago it was when you were here when you were here in Halifax last, but do you miss doing the charity? I know I, we've talked to Rick Five and Brad May, and um, I talked to Andrew Jackson, who is part of the Jackson events, and it's it's uh, a terrible time. A lot of the alumni, Dave McElwain, uh, Al Iafredi, who are part of the uh, part of the charities, aren't playing hockey right now. So how how are you dealing with uh, not being able to give back to say hockey helps the homeless or or the heart and stroke, where you were involved here in Halifax? Uh, how do you feel well, not being it, able to do all that stuff? It kind of hurts the uh, charities basically because yeah. they're not able to do the events and and raise the funds that they. They desperately need it for the children and all that uh, for these charities. So uh, we're just, uh, as any other player, we're, we're just kind of waiting to see uh, when the next. I know that I've, I hear some things are starting to brew up a little bit. I've got a few golf tournaments that I've been asked to coming in uh, July there. So, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating at the fact that uh, we do do a lot of different charity events for, you know, Easter Seals, Hard uh, Stroke, uh, you know, sick kids, uh, Special Olympics and all that. And, and we just love giving back. And and we're just hoping everything, this COVID-19 can be controlled and everybody gets their vaccines and we'll be able to continue on with a normal life. I think that's what everybody's praying for right now. And uh, But we got to be patient. There's no doubt about it. I'm at that age where I got to be careful. And uh, I'm a, I'm a frontline. I've got, uh, I'm a diabetic, so I got to be careful. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're now being able to take part in the golf charities. I'll get into one individual as you just mentioned about golf, but golf is a social distance 
activity, which is great. Right. It's unfortunate that um, charities can't, or sorry, hockey games or hockey charity events can't be played where where they're in the hockey arena. But um, it's good to still have that golf charity and Jackson events and whichever charity or organization you're part of. And you can't forget Red Seal or sorry, Easter Seals, which right. another another big charity in Ontario. Um, I want to mention. I want to mention Dale. We we um, unfortunately we lost Dale there mm-hmm. uh, right around April. A couple, was it last year or maybe two years ago? Uh, he rang the bell in April during COVID. Right. Um, so that's the biggest thing I take out of out of this year uh, with losing Dale. I I'm close to Dale as far as the heart and stroke. Can you just talk about Dale and, and you talked about the golf charities and stuff? I know. Uh, You've golfed with Dale. Can you just um, maybe add a positive uh, story from uh, Dale Howardchuk? Well, it, I've I've golfed with Dale. I've done hockey events with with Dale. And uh, the, the the greatest thing with uh, with Dale Howardchuk, he's just a, a gentleman on and off the ice. There's no doubt about it. He's yeah, you know when when this all happened, uh, his situation. I had played in a pro am golf tournament in. Uh, in um, the National in Toronto Golf Course, yeah. and Dale had his group from Barry, and and I was asked to play in this other group. We had a, a, like a, a local pro on each team, right? So uh, we were there about an hour and a half before the event, and we we sat and talked for a good good hour about you know about things that are going on, about family, about things. What are you doing? What how are you feeling and all that? And, and there was nothing, nothing came out of Dale's mouth about how sick he was. It, it just, it just seemed normal. And so to a lot of people, it was, uh, they didn't know it was kind of a shock, uh, what happened, what happened to him. And, uh, you know, he's just a, just a great competitor on the ice, but just a, a wonderful human being off the ice. And, and, uh, it was just, uh, it was just great for me to, get to know him being living in Ontario and, and doing events. He's in Barrie and I've been in his, the junior team. They have a golf tournament too. I've been to that one and um, he's just a fun guy to be around. Was a fun guy to be around with. And uh, we certainly, we certainly will miss him in events and stuff like that. There's no doubt about it. So Hart and Stroke would have taken part uh, March before last year, I think was the last event. You were here when Dale was here. Is that correct? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and so I I got to drive him, and you're right. You hit the nail on the head. He didn't. He seemed Barry was out at the time. He coached the Barry Colts in the Ontario Hockey League, and right. yeah, he was just a true gentleman. Are you? Uh, do you have any connection with Howard Chuck Strong? Like, um, I wanted to mention that too for the viewers, um, and maybe you can shed some light on Howard Chuck Strong if you're if you're part of that. Yeah, they've got a yeah. I I. You know, I've got my my t-shirts and my sweatshirts and all that, and mm-hmm. and uh, awesome man. Yes, I'm part with the Dan Lancoin that uh, has takes care of all that for uh, uh, for that. Uh, well, he does for Ledsey Strong, and and then Eric does the Howard Chuck. So they're um, it's a uh, it's a wonderful thing to be involved with. The, you you know you don't a lot of people you know think about it. You you say, well you know. Dale's gone. There's no way Dale's gone. You know what I mean? The legacy so, continues now with Howard Chuck yeah, Strong, right? So. Yeah, Howard Chuck Strong and, and uh, son Eric and all that. Uh, so, yeah, I just uh, anybody that uh, would like to get on board and, uh, you know, donate some money, whatever it is, and, and 
because it's uh, it's a great cause. Awesome, my man. Uh, let's get into your hockey career. How did it all start? I know you played with the Toronto Marbles and you played your junior hockey and minor hockey in the Toronto area. Just tell tell the viewers about your hockey career, how it started, and uh, and uh, you did play in the WHA there for a little bit. How how was that transition from the WHA into into the NHL? Okay, um, how how much time I got? <laughs> as much as much time as you want, Dennis. No, You're the, I, I, this I is your show. I started uh, years old and grew up in in Toronto. Uh, started house league, as a matter of fact, and then uh, played minor hockey with uh, La Toronto. They call them Shopsies, uh, minor Bantam, Bantam Marlies, and Junior B. And then uh, played about eight games uh, when I played Junior B with uh, the Marlies um, uh, during that time when I was with uh, Markham Waxers Junior B. Uh, I did not, I got traded uh, in junior before I got to, to sign a deal with play with the Marlies. Uh, I was traded uh, for Mark Howe. Mark Howe was, oh, drafted, wow. by, was drafted by the London Knights, midget age, and uh, Marty Howe, Mark's brother, was already playing for the Marlies, junior A Marlies. The Gordy Howe and Colleen uh, Howe wanted their boys on the same team. So, London and Toronto had to make a trade, and uh, Toronto offered first Bruce Boudreaux, and uh, and Bill Long, Lee Bill Long, uh, wanted myself and another player, which he ended up getting. The trade made the trade, uh, myself and Larry Goodenough, uh, and another fellow by the name of Steve Lang. The three of us went to London for Markel, and Markel go to Toronto. That's how I got to London. That's where I played three years in London. Uh, and then I, I won the, um, I was rookie of the year for the uh, junior league. I also won most valuable player in my last year, which was the red Tilson award in the OHL. And then I got drafted by California golden seals. Uh, first pick in the second round, first pick in the second round, which is 21st overall. Uh, and that's why I took the number 21. It was available because I was 21st pick overall. So there you go. A little trivia. Um, and then, and then I, I went uh, after that year, first year of the team moved to Cleveland, the Cleveland Barons from 76 to 78. And then after 78, there were some tough times there in Cleveland, 78, 79 merged with the Minnesota North Stars. And, that was, and that's what I thought. I thought I just double checked. I thought yeah. the, the North Stars with WHA. I thought no, no. like Marty Howe or Mark Howe, Hartford, Hartford were a WHA team. Then they merged into the NHL. So I thought for some reason, uh, Calif California um, well, or the times, Cleveland Barons were WHA. Yeah, but you didn't play in the WHA. No, you no, NHL. I gonna, yeah. I was going to tell you that. A lot of people yeah, sorry. Barons, a lot of the people think the Cleveland Barons yeah. were a world hockey team. But no, it wasn't. Uh, uh, it was Crusaders or something like that. But um, I, get, I did get drafted by, by Cleveland and the WHA. The same year I got drafted yeah. by by the NHL, by the California Golden Seals, but I wanted to play in the NHL, so I, I decided to do that route. And then uh, in 79, uh, Cleveland and Minnesota North Stars merged, and then we had so many players that Lou Nanny traded me to Washington Capitals for a first-round pick. Uh, I played five years there in Washington. That's when I had the 50-60 goal season. And then uh, I got traded back to Minnesota in 83 and played till I was 89. 1989 retired. There it is. 
I want to show you a little something that I got here, sir. If you can see right. it. Oh, that's a perfect card. Yeah. There you that go. Was, so they awesome. have a they have a different tops version and a different uh, OPC version. So this Maybe version here, yeah. yeah, this this version here has the Cleveland at the logo at the top, Barons, and uh, look at the duster, man. You wore it best along alongside Landon McDonald. Uh, I, talk about talk about Ken Reed. He he talks about hockey cards all the time, and uh, he's, he's mentioned he's mentioned you in many conversations. Uh, I'll have, I'm I'm gonna send this interview later to Ken Reed. Uh, huge shout out to Ken Reed. Uh, I know how close he is with you, and uh, you're in the conversation all the time as far as uh, legendary mustaches with Landon McDonald, uh, Joe Quenville, uh, and and yourself. So. Yeah. I uh, I pulled that out this morning, knowing I was gonna have yeah. a conversation with you. So it's a little, yeah, I'm a little beautiful right. dust, beautiful little, mustache. A little gray right now. Yeah, they say I was in the top five in the NHL with that uh, that duster. But I I can tell you a story a little bit about that. Um, I don't know if you remember a pitcher, relief pitcher for uh, I believe it was Kansas City oh. Royal. Uh, Wally Al, Wally Fingers. Al, he had a mustache Al, no, as well. No, no, Al Habrowski. Oh well, I'll have to look remember that up. Him? He was the mad, the crazy, I, I look it up, uh, crazy uh, Hungarian or Ukrainian, and he had the Fu Manchu, and, and I, 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 <laughs> I had a little bit of it. I said, I'm going to keep it. I like that. I like his action. Awesome, the way he walks around the mound really quick and fast, does his few little things, and I said, I'm going to keep it, and that's how I'm going to remember having it as be, be, be the big guy, Al Hubarski. Uh, I don't know how long he had a career, but uh, that's what I did. I saw him on TV. So there you go. Speaking of the Washington Capitals, there's a gentleman that, that was part of that club, Tom McVie. I had this gentleman on during Black History Month, Bill Wiley. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Any good stories, anything good from the days playing with Bill Wiley? He's here in, he's here in the Maritimes, a good good Amherst kid, and he made it to the NHL. Uh, do you, do you, one other thing, do you believe black players – I know when Willie O'Ree started playing and when um, there's another gentleman by the name of Marsh, I forget his first name, but also Bill Riley. Do you think they were treated fairly in the 80s, 70s and 80s? Like I know uh, it got better after Willie O'Ree and um, we all know like the Herb Carnegie stories, but how do you think they were treated in the 70s and 80s? Like, Do you think they were treated as fairly as the white hockey players? I, it, it, that's a good question. I don't know because I, I haven't had a time to sit down and talk to them. Um, I, I did play with Tony McKegney, played against Grand Fury. Tony McKegney was on my line when he play, played uh, when he played at the North Stars. So, and uh, he didn't seem to get too 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 many issues. Didn't have too many issues. I think it uh, years ago was a different story where it is compared to now. I think it's it's fair game for everybody. You're a talented individual, whatever race you are. You can yeah. play in the NHL. You can play in baseball. You can play in football, whatever, basketball, whatever. Um, and I, I think that's where it is. Now, maybe years ago, uh, it may be, may be a little bit of different. There may be some stories or things been said that were uncalled for. But uh, I think right now it's it's pretty much – it's wide open. I believe it's uh, – if you're talented, you could uh, you can, uh, you know – play at any team and whatever race you are no you're absolutely right look at the american hockey league ontario rain they've got Khalil thomas uh smith pelly and uh quentin byfield three black 
players on the same line. So there you go. That's, yeah. that's some that's something I wanted to ask is to see if the black players in your your years of playing were treated as equal as the white players. Like um, I know it was a different different time and it's different now uh, with equality and the Black Lives Matter and all that stuff. But that's the conversation for another day. Is is there one partic- one particular moment in your NHL career that stuck out the most besides your fifty goal season? And your 60 goal season, scoring my first goal in in, in Toronto and Maple Leaf Gardens. Uh, with oh wow! Family and my family and friends. I scored an exhibition goal, but I mean, for, for the first in my first NHL goal uh, on a regular season was in Toronto, uh, November. When I had my parents, my my brothers and sisters, uh, family were were all there uh, and friends. So it was it was pretty exciting. Uh, a lot. I, I don't remember a lot of the goals and. And when someone someone asked me, well, do you remember your 60th goal? And I said, no, we had to pull it up on YouTube. Um, <laughs> and then I remember when I saw the film. But other than that, uh, no, I, I'm that, that I would be my most, uh, you know, the first goal I got. And then, of course, playing the two All-Star games and, and especially the one that I did score 60, um, that the All-Star game was in Washington, D.C. And my, my parents were able to come down and, and watch that. And it was pretty uh, pretty special time. Especially Maple Leaf Gardens now, it's a, yeah. uh, it's 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 on the same ground as Ryerson University and a and a super <laughs> and a superstore. Actually, I saw a picture one day of it's somebody going. Yeah, so one day I seen a picture and someone was going. I don't know if the cereal cereal aisle or the pop aisle, whatever aisle it was, and they actually pointed down toward where Center Ice was at Loblaws yeah. um, on Carlton Street. And I I don't know if you ever noticed that. Have you ever been in that facility after uh, they turned it into Ryerson or the or the Loblaws? Have you been in? Cool. Yeah, I've I've skated in there in the different events, and I've had Perfect. friends friends have rented the you can rent the ice as well, and it's 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 up in the Grace. That's where they put the rink in the Grace, and so if you can think of it, they had the the what is the the, the golds, the reds, the blues, yeah, and the Grace. So they they. Put the oh, rink wow. up, in, up in the grade level, which is kind of neat, you know, like the fourth, fourth level, I think fourth elevator row. So, uh, which, uh, but they kept some of the old uh, structure of the walls and that pictures uh, uh, from from the building are still there. Uh, and of course, yeah, it's the big supermarket down down on the main the main street. Uh, it's pretty pretty cool, pretty neat. If you ever get a chance to to see it, yeah. So you only played, unfortunately, you only played 888 games. It, it's people ask me every day, like, which guests you're gonna have on? What who are you who are you trying to target for guests? And a lot of the time, it's players that played over a thousand games. Mm-hmm. Which should not which should not be the ideal reason that you you should get somebody. You shouldn't always target the people that played, or sorry, the players that played a thousand games. Like I've had people on that have played forty-one games, um, and and they don't have to be in the Hall of Fame either. Most oh well, we like to hear hockey Hall of Famers, and the and the point what I'm trying to say, Dennis, is like you played eight hundred and eighty-eight games. The connection I have with you is from Heart and Stroke through different charity events, um, and but there is some people that say like, get Dennis, he's a great storyteller. And that's that's why I get these individuals. They tell a great story. They played played in eras that I didn't grow up playing in. So I'm interested. 
on hearing their story. But you you only played 888 games when you I believe it was later in the 80s. When did you know like your season or when your playing days were were coming to an end? And was there ever a chance that you may have thought, "Hey, I can reach a thousand? But was that was that even a a thought in your head? Like you played 888 games during your last couple of games where you thought it might have been the end. Were you disappointed that you weren't able to get a thousand? Like, is that a big deal to a lot of people playing a thousand games? Counting playoffs and exhibition games, I yeah. played over a thousand games. Okay. So, um, I Perfect. know. I think at that time, uh, I shattered my kneecap in 1988, uh, uh, blocking a slap shot, and and uh, it took a, it took about six seven months to they may put it all back together, mend, and and I uh, came back. It wasn't really. Uh, I don't, I didn't feel a hundred percent with it. And, you know, I thought about it and I said, well, I've played 14 years. Maybe, maybe it's time to move on and let somebody else. Um, could I have still played? Yes. I could have still played. On a, uh, there was a circum, cer- certain circumstances uh, during that time uh, that I won't, won't, don't need to say, but um, uh, I just looked in it and figured, well, should I work out another six months and see how strong it gets uh, and then continue on playing a few more years. I just decided at that time it was it was time for Dennis Merck to move on and um, let someone else have a chance to play in the National Hockey League. Online, they only say it, 922 games, including playoffs. So, um, <laughs> Hockey DB, I play the Hockey DB game quite a bit when I can with uh, Ken Reed and it's unfortunate. Like they don't, I don't know if it's updated because some players have said the same thing. Like I've played over 2000 games. If you include uh, playoffs and exhibitions, but Hey, here's a stat that go but ahead. If, Dennis. If you're, yeah. If you're, you're saying that I was, I was told that I was too small to play in the game. And for a guy that was, I had to deal a lot of adversity, a lot of it. And, you know, you look at a guy like Marcel Dion and, and stuff like that. You know, uh, what are they going to say? He was too small to play any game. Look at Murray well, St. Louis, right? Prime yeah, example. Was, How well did he play? I, he he won Olympic gold too, right? So Exactly. So, I, you know, you pat yourself. I pat myself on the back for the, the hard work I had to do to, uh, to, to make it to the NHL as well as to stay as long as I did, basically, and, and had some uh, – some uh, pretty good years, uh, and 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 uh, you know things are still popping up about from it. And I, and I also came out and I wrote a book too with Ken Reed. So yeah, you know, yeah we're going to talk about that how shortly. Many players, yeah. How many players have done that? So you know, I, I I owe a lot to the game of hockey. There's no doubt about it. You can still score three goals on one shift during a Heart and Stroke Foundation <laughs> charity <laughs> weekend. So yeah, I I, uh, I remember you played one year in, in Moncton. I'll just I'll just give you a. a Sorry, I'll just give you a little uh, story here. Billy Smith was in Moncton for Heart and Stroke, and he was a play- he was a player. There's a lot of guys, and some people say too, "Oh, like why is Heart and Stroke, you know, bringing in these guys, these alumni?" Well, it's not about the age. It's not you know, we no. don't always want to see the Mike Padanos. Everyone wants to see Eric Lindros, you know, the John Leclairs, right? One year, Marty McSorley was drafted first in the Heart and Stroke Foundation charity weekend. Right, right. That's and Ray Borg and Ray Borg. And it's funny, I was, I was talking to Billy. I was watching Billy, and he's moving around. He was a goalie. <laughs> Billy Smith, the goalie. And he was 
Man, he, he was out. flying around on the ice. Yeah, Loving he, it. He likes playing out, yeah. yeah. Those events so, are great. You know, we're, we're, yeah. We like, even if you don't get drafted or whatever, I know there's sometimes you're only allowed to draft so many players, right? Mm. And the extra players to put on different teams. But, but I think it really comes down is uh, a lot of these players uh, enjoy, we enjoy being involved with the, the, the the teams and that and and who we get to meet because they're giving up their hard hard-earned money to 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 donate to this these events these charity events and and it's just we we understand that and we want to make sure that they're having a good time with us and so we do tell stories we have fun when we hang out with the the player the, the team for for a couple of days and 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 have and it, you, you gain new friendships. I love coming out there 100%. and stuff like that. And it, it's just, I'm looking forward to it again. And, and still, uh, I still skate and play. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to do it till the good Lord says I can't. So uh, I love coming out. These people out there are a lot of fun. Um, and that's, and uh, my, my sister lives in Halifax. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's nice to come out there and see her and all that. Hopefully uh, hockey for the homeless happen sometime soon as well then we can right. i can uh ask the people involved hey contact denny maruk so um i was gonna mention the story we were in moncton and marty mcsorley i believe was drafted number one and me ray borg rick middleton and another player uh, were standing there and we're like wow like marty got picked first and it was great like i could talk i five or six alumni i was i was talking to them because everybody in the in the in the ballroom were in line up to get Doug Gilmore's autograph. I'm like, <laughs> Ray's like, this is awesome. Nobody's bugging me. We're, Mike Kruschaninsky's there, and another um, alumni. Hopefully, they'll be on the OI here very soon. And Dave McElwain, and we've had Dan Doust, um, another amazing individual that I know you know, Dan Doust. Um, but man, just an incredible thing that Heart and Strokes doing. And hockey for the hom- homeless that uh, take part in Halifax. So we truly want you back. Um, let's let's talk about the book before uh, we run out of time here. Just talk about your book. Uh, the Inno- I'm gonna just pull up the uh, name here. Denny Denny Maruk, the unforgettable story of hockey's forgotten 60 goal man. Just just talk about your book, um, how it all started, and where where can people find the book, Dennis? Well, I get the book on Amazon. I, I got books still that uh, when I do Perfect. these events, when I do the events, uh, I do bring them, you know, probably 20, 30 books. Yep. Some people like to buy and purchase them when I'm there and, yep. and uh, usually donate it to uh, the charity, whatever, or, uh, you know, give to the teams. But it started, this, the, the, it started uh, in Toronto where a uh, uh, fellow that I was doing some mark uh, promotion with, he had said to me, um, you should do a book. I go, well, why would I want to do a book? I'm, I got more that's that's everyone's response, right? You, you know, hear well, that across the board. I want, yeah. I want more things yeah. to do in my life when I'm not ready. <laughs> and so is this going to take up my golf time? Yeah. That, and then, no, no. And then, it, and then it, uh, it, it, he said, you got to talk to this guy, Ken Reed. Yep. And I didn't know Ken uh, was on the show. And, you know, I, I've never met, I met Ken in a golf tournament and, and he come up to me and says, I'm Ken Reed, and I'd like to get together with you and uh, talk a little bit about your career and da-da-da. So uh, a few months later after that that golf, we, we met, and uh, we went for lunch, and I it was like a four-and-a-half, five-hour lunch. And wow. uh, uh, he recorded a lot of things that uh, I said when we'd start telling stories and 
things about our life, uh, post-career, all that kind of stuff, and very personal stuff that we, we went into. And then he uh, called me back after we, he left, and he said, would you like to do it? And I says, well, I got to think about it. I got to think about it. I really don't know for sure. We met again, another four hours of <laughs> stories and all that. And then I said, okay, Ken Hare, I'm going to write some stuff you're going to write, and we're going to be co-authors, okay? And uh, he said, he said, can you write? I said, well, I'm going to write and tell stories. You're going to, you're going to clean it up. And, and so I did, we did that. And this, I said to him, this is how I want it done. I said, I'm 60 years old. I scored 60 goals and I want 60 chapters. He goes, wouldn't you? 60, 60, 60. That's pretty cool. That's a pretty good way to, way to look at it. And then we came up with the title. And the reason why the 60 short chapters is because I read a lot of James Patterson books, pretty much every one of his books. I, I, I John, John Grisham, James Patterson. James Patterson. Unbelievable Unbelievable writers, yes. And that's how I did the story. If you read other uh, biographies of, of uh, athletes and that, you know, they're telling the first first chapters, 30 pages or 40 pages, and mm. they're telling them when they started playing hockey. Well, my, my book started out uh, – I'm on a, a cruise ship, uh, a service boat out in uh, in uh, in the Gulf, servicing oil rigs, and I'm a deckhand, and I, I'm up there with a the captain. There's two deckhands and a captain. A 160 foot supply boat we're taking out to the oil rigs, the Devon Energy's oil rigs, and uh, and the captain goes to me, uh, "All right, your turn to take over the helm here." I go, "What do you mean? I don't know how to f- drive this this boat." <laughs> and in the Gulf, and he says, "I got, I got." He's captain goes, "I got to rest." I said, "Here, just get on it. Everything's all pilot, right? So just watch what you're doing and and keep it on." And then a storm came, a massive storm was coming. Way the waves are coming way over the top where I was, on the top part of the boat. And I, the, the the and then uh, I was getting kind of scared. And I woke him up. He said, "I ah, don't worry about it. It'll go by." And you'll hand it, and I did. I handed up handle. So that's kind of my my first chapter in, in the book and people are going, do you did that? You really did that? So it makes them read on well, what's the next story. When's the next story? So I kept, that's how I wanted to do it with short chapters. And, and the hardest part about writing that book was, was, uh, and, and I'm not shameful of it all was my personal post, uh, post career where I, uh, I just about took my life and, um, I felt it was best to be in, in the book because of, of, uh, being a, a professional athlete, it's not all peaches and cream where people think it, think it, think it is. And, and that the athletes do go through certain things in their life, just like normal people do. So I thought it was best to be in there and it, and it turned out that it worked out really well for, for the book. Do you have any Walter? We'll talk about two more individuals here. Walter Gretzky, who we just unfortunately lost. And the very entertaining Eddie Shack. Can you uh, provide the viewers a a cool little story about Eddie? He was an entertaining individual. Do you have an, uh, I guess, an entertaining story about Eddie Shack? Yeah, I got it. Uh, Eddie, Eddie, kind of crazy. Clear the track. Here, here, clear the track. Here comes Shack. Right? Yeah, you were. Yeah, and you better clear the track because here comes Shack. But I mean, I, I did a bunch of when I moved back to Toronto in two thousand and eight. Uh, I lived in the States for 35 years and then moved back to Canada. So it was 2008. Uh, I did a lot of golf tournaments, a lot of charity events because I, I was new to the town because I'd been away for so long and they were looking for new people and different people. So 
different athletes. So it worked out pretty good. So I was a couple of golf tournaments and I want to remember with Eddie, uh, he wasn't playing, but I was drive, I was playing and he was in a, my same car it was Eddie and I. And so oh, wow. it, it was at Woodbine country club, in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And there was a little Creek going along about a five or six foot Creek. And, um, Eddie, Eddie always wanted to look for balls. You know, no look, he wasn't playing, but he looked like he wanted to look for golf balls. So I hit one of my drives was close to the creek, about, you know, about 10 feet. And he walked over to this, this five foot creek and he, he got on the side and he fell in. He fell in <laughs> right up to above his waist, you know, um, and he couldn't get out. He couldn't get out. And we were trying not to laugh. And he's yelling and screaming. screaming How many pops said, did he have? Help me, help me out. And Lou Francis said he's on the other side of the creek. He was playing on a different hole, and he saw it too. And you know, we're trying not to laugh, but we finally got him out, got him in the clubhouse. And he didn't have he, had, he didn't have any clothes, so the, the uh, clubhouse manager bought him some clothes, and he went and got chains. and And that was a pretty good story at the dinner later on. But uh, you know, that's just Eddie. You know, that's what he is. So Eddie was. Well, that's that's how it's supposed to be. The, the stories you. Because now Eddie is, has passed, and you look back yeah. at that story, and that, and that's a story you, that can help you remember right. Eddie, right? Yeah, I, I do, and I, I, there's other stories, but I, I like that one. And then uh, Mr. Gretzky, uh, uh, I, I played a, a lot of games with the, um, the, the uh, NHL alumni in Toronto here, yeah. and they made Walter as our ambassador. Any, anywhere we went to play an event, unless he was not feeling well or couldn't make it, he was there with us. And he'd be, uh, he'd be kind of like our, our, our lead. He was our leader very much. So, and, and, and we'd, we'd stop, uh, for coffee or, or Tim Hortons or whatever, whatever bus we were driving to any city. And it took us an extra hour or so to get to where we're supposed to be because he would go in and talk to every soul in Tim Hortons. Hey, hi, how you doing? Uh, Oh, you, oh, that good boy. Uh, what's your name? And oh, and then we'll get an autograph, get pictures, uh, whether they're young or whether they're old. He would talk to just about everybody, and and I think a lot of people respected that. About uh, they knew who he was, um, but uh, he was an, uh, definitely an icon, and uh, uh, I just thought he was just a gentleman because of because of that fact. And then and then in the dressing room, he'd come in the dressing room. I mean, if there was an empty um a pop can or on the bench or it wasn't put in the garbage he'd pick it up and put it in the garbage or extra marker he'd pick them up markers and put them in his pocket he made sure he picked up certain things in the dressing room that players didn't pick up he was always just a neat very neat gentleman about the dressing room respecting the dressing room and making sure you keep it clean you walked in it was clean make sure you leave with it clean and i always i always I always uh, remind myself of that when I'm in a dress room and I'm doing getting ready or stuff like that. And and then there was a, a trip we went to uh, the All Star game in Ottawa and uh, we we're on the bus and and I and I and he was saying, boy, how long we got to keep going on this bus? And I just kept saying, it's another four hours, Walter. It's another four hours. So every time we would meet uh, in the event while he was still alive. I'd say, Walter, Walter, we got another bus ride, four hours, let's go. And he'd come up and give me that look, you know. What do you mean? We're not going on no bus. So uh, that's kind of the thing with Walter. But uh, great family. I do, you know, I do a lot of games with Brent, who was a police officer in Brantford there. Um, 
Uh, Brent does a lot of uh, NHL alumni games as well. Uh, I don't see Wayne as much, but more more Brent. Yeah, so great family, great people, and uh, certainly Wayne was just a uh, an outstanding hockey player that I got a chance to play against throughout my whole career, which was awesome. Cool little Walter Gretzky story. Story. Mm-hmm. He would mow the lawn. He would maintain the the lawn around the church, and he'd be out there for hours. And the people in the right. church like, wait, hey, do you want to eat? Like, do you want any drinks? Anything yeah. to drink? And they had to they had to like drag him into the the church, yeah. either for the service or whatever was going on. And he's definitely he's definitely a one of the greatest hockey dads ever to live. Like, I know kids got their fathers and um mm. but he is he i'm not sure what the word to use here but every father i believe should be like walter everyone should look what he did with wayne and brent i've met brent many times oh, through hockey at he worked, yeah worked on a farm hard working farm boy that's what he yep. was and, uh, uh he yep. just uh I think the he respected uh, life. I think that's what yep. Mr. Mr. Gretzky did. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's where you got to look at his whole scenario. That he enjoyed life. He enjoyed living, and he enjoyed God rest his soul right now. And uh, but he enjoyed every time. And then of course he had the the stroke and all that kind of stuff. But uh, other than that, uh, he, he was just a great man to be around. There's no doubt about it. We'll, we certainly miss. We'll miss him. There's no doubt about it. 100%, Dennis. One one last question. How – and you might have had many other great coaches that you've played for. How 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 great was it to have Herb Brooks as a, as a hockey coach? Herb had a hard time being a, a hockey coach in the NHL. I think, uh, you know, doing that, uh, the miracle and all that with the, the U.S. The US team, um, he was in control. And I think he had a little bit harder – time in uh in, in the nhl with the, the professional players okay. uh, there's a, another fellow by you can say it says dave king uh okay. i know yeah. i was calgary uh, calgary flame uh, i believe dave yeah. king, uh, he uh, we were i was with team canada world championships and dave king was going i i, I he must ask me a million questions about what's it like being a professional athlete playing the NHL and all that because he wanted to know how to coach them and i think herb was in that same kind of uh group that uh you know they lasted and 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 then i was when i was in minnesota um uh herb and lou nanny worked together and nobody ever ever thought that that was going to happen that lou nanny and her brooks are going to work together in the same team and it did work uh for a little bit of time and uh but he was just uh, her brooks was just uh uh i got to know the family and and that and and also uh, the same kind of topic about her Brooks. Uh, I got to meet, uh, I lived in Aspen, Colorado for eight years. So I got to meet uh, Kurt Russell who played her Brooks and the miracle, the miracle on ice. He played her Brooks and, and he did a wonderful job uh, parlaying her Brooks. And it was just a wonderful, but he, he her, uh, um, uh, Kurt Russell loves the sport, loves hockey. Uh, I talked to him for about an hour and a half at a pub in, in, uh, in Basalt, Colorado. And I think I got in five words. All he talked about was hockey, 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 and how great it was to, to meet the family, the Brooks family, and how great that man was to, to, to the United States hockey. And that's certainly right there. That, that, that event that happened 
part of changed the whole outlook of the American hockey players. Changed everything, and look what it's done. Look at a lot of American hockey players are are so successful, and 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 they still get and still producing more American hockey players. There you go. I I forgot to flip my page over. I apologize. No problem. One thing one one thing I wanted to ask you, Dennis. You played in the seventies and eighties, and now obviously the two thousands. The NHL is totally different compared to when you played. You don't you don't have to so much compare like the seventies and eighties when you played to today's NHL. But is there? Do you watch the NHL today? And if if there was rules or if there was. It, is there anything that you would change in today's NHL that, that I know like the clutch driving? Like I've watched I watched the nineteen eighty All Star game and I watched the Montreal Quebec Nordiques brawl. There's a there's a lot of old games on TV and I wish some of the not so much the clutching and grabbing, like some guy is hooked onto the, the guy and then went for a sleigh ride. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you, we don't want we don't want to obviously see that in today's NHL, but is there something that you yeah, uh, if Bill Daly or Gary Bettman came to you and said, "What's one thing, Dennis, you'd change in today's NHL?" What, what would that be? Well, I think that I think it's because they're they're so young and so fast and strong. You know, totally different than than when we are. Our game is a little different. Ours is more tougher and grinder and dirtier and chippier and all that kind of stuff. But if they had came to me and asked me to, which I think a lot of people have said at first was, uh, they didn't expect that these players to be so big and so fast that the rinks should be bigger. It should be more Olympic. Maybe they should be like the KHL, the the bigger ice service. Yes. When they built all these new arenas, they should have built the bigger. It should have been a bigger. That was my, that would have been my number one, but whether they can do it now, probably not. But uh, uh, I would go back to the center, center red line, um, bring that back uh, because I don't like the fact that a player the puck goes in my end and a player can stand at the far blue line and we can throw the puck all the way up to him and he could just chip it in. It's not an icing an offside or any of that to take away the, the, the plays and things that are done at the neutral ice area by doing that. And I think if you've asked uh, a lot of old, other older players, they would probably say a lot of it going back, go back to the red, put the center red line in, where they got to make plays and go with the two line offside and all that. They got to make some pretty good plays coming up through the neutral ice area. Now they just throw it lengthwise, one end of the rink to the other, and they, they keep the game going that way. But there's not much going on in the neutral ice. And that's what I would say. That's what that's what I would be going back to the center red ice for. That would be mine. Yeah, and the the video replay is helpful. Um, I think a lot of the offside. Uh, replays like they had to go back to the, watching the video for offsides. I think that's slowing the game down a little bit. Um, look at look at Tim Peel last week. He was caught on the on the mic saying what he did in that Nashville Detroit game. We had Theron Fleury on last week, and he mentioned, "Well, they didn't have that back in the day. Didn't have that back in when he played. Didn't referees right. were, referees were saying whatever they wanted, even in your in in your era. So." Oh, yeah. Um, I, I I yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and that's just, that, that maybe we'll have you on just to talk about the 70s and 80s and how actually how pl- hockey was actually played back then. But like sure. the Tim Peel, um, I did want to get into this. Like I mentioned, I, I mm-hmm. totally forgot to flip my page here. Okay. But um, but the Tim Peel incident, and you know, it's a 200 by 85. That's the dimensions of a hockey ring. 
if they go back to or sorry if they go to a khl size rink maybe that opens things up um i and i do find a lot of the video like they're going spending 10 minutes figuring out if it's offside or um looking 2004 like the flames were robbed of the stanley cup because Jelena's goal was in, Tampa Bay goes and wins the Stanley Cup. Brett Hall's foot was in the crease versus Buffalo. Um, apparently, there was supposed to be an increase rule back then. I guess that didn't matter. Um, you know, video like, video could have been used back in the day. Look, did did Wayne Gretzky deliberately high stick Gilmore in the face? Cravey Frazier still to this day. We don't know the real story, but I say if they did have video, they would have shown if Gretzky deliberately did it. Right. Like right. I believe, and I hopefully you agree with me in, on this, Dennis. Should a follow through that hit someone in the face that, that causes blood, even though it wasn't done on purpose, should that still be a five minute major no. or four minutes for high sticking? No, I don't think. When if it's not the okay. No, I think it's when you're taking a shot and your stick followed through. You have control, and 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 you may have your head down. And if a player's coming out, player's the one he's got to protect himself. He's got to get out of the way, or because you know that stick's coming or whatever. Um, he's got to protect himself. That that shouldn't be no, no. Of course, with the high sticking above the shoulders when you deliberately try to to hit somebody in the head, uh, yeah, that's that's definite, uh, yeah, definite penalty. There's no doubt about it. Uh, um, and I and I think that. Uh, um, that's just the way it's got to be. I mean, uh, uh, the, yeah. the officiating, uh, as you were saying, you know, they got the mics on. They never had the mics when, uh, during our time. They got the mics on, and did, was those things being said during that time? Who knows? I don't know. I didn't hear it. Uh, my concern was playing the game and uh, doing my job on the ice, and uh, if I got a penalty, then if I didn't like it, I, uh, I squawked a little bit of the referee, and sometimes I got 10 minutes for squawking too much. Um, but, uh, you know, to do what, uh, what he did, uh, I, I feel sorry for him because he's had a, he'd been around for a long period of time. And, and I always say that, and, and I'm a believer that the referees would always even things out. If one team had, you four see a lot of phantom calls too nowadays, like, four minutes, right? uh, four penalties, the first period, the, the next team's going to get in the second period, two or three penalties. Do they try to even it out? No, I don't think they try to. I just think okay. it, it happens that way. Um, I think today uh, you're not going to see games where one team is going to have five penalties and the other team is going to have zero. That ain't going to work. It's going to be two or five or three and six or whatever, how it's going to go. And But that's just the way it is. And then there's more five-on-threes today's game than in our we didn't have too many five on threes. I think the referee was afraid to call <laughs> another penalty if he already called one on the team to, have, to give the other team, uh, you know, two two players uh, up on a power play. I think they were afraid to call penalties. Uh, they don't care now. There's so many five on threes. Maybe one or two or two or three a game. So uh, that's what I see about the referee, and, uh, and and they're all doing a great job. There's no doubt about it. The game is so fast and and so intense, and that that. That it's you can't see everything. There's no doubt about it. That's why they got two of them out there, and and still even then it's hard to, to catch everything. And so, well, that's just the way it is. That's the way the game is. It's it's hard to believe too. A lot of people say you should factor in game management. Like if one team gets eight penalties and the other team gets zero, maybe that team that got zero just were disciplined. 
right? And the, team that, and the team that got eight, they just weren't disciplined. Like the the people have talked about the Tim Peel situation, right. and they said, oh well, he he's he he's obviously on the mic saying that. Oh, I'm gonna call. Uh, I'm gonna call a penalty to even it up. It happened. I'm I'm part of a junior team. It happens all the time. The back mm -hmm. line, referee will come to the go, bench yeah. and say, "We'll say, oh, I'll, next time I'll call it to make it even." Right, right. Just right, to yeah. try to, you can never make both coaches on each side of the ice happy. No, right. You're right. So the ones and ones are winning are happy, and the other ones are, are, are sad, losing are sad. But on that yeah. video, <laughs> video, uh, you said I had almost eight hundred, uh, almost eight, almost a point a game. If we had video back in that time, I would have probably had a thousand points. Because I know I, I squawked a lot of times. Uh, uh, a lot of goals that I scored were not counted. <laughs> they said, oh, I hit the crossbar. But it went right underneath the crossbar. And if it hits it underneath, it comes right out. I go, wait a minute here. That was in. Oh, no, it wasn't. It hit the top of the crossbar and came out. Well, it wouldn't come out that way if it hit the top of the crossbar. It would mm. go straight, straight up in the straight in here. So that's what I'm saying. Video at our time would have increased my point. There you go. <laughs> well, the guy in the gray is the high. The guy in the nosebleed at Maple Leaf Gardens. If he saw it go in, then uh, yeah, it was definitely, go. definitely goal. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get one of your books, Dennis. I um, I had, I had bought your book. Okay. A friend of mine, um, who's part of the hockey, hockey helps the homeless. Right. Um, bought it, and uh, a lot of my stuff, like a lot of my memorabilia, gets sold off for charity, and then okay. um, it helps, helps um helps bring in some money for hockey helps the homeless and heart and stroke but i, I hope uh hockey helps the homeless and heart and stroke come back um i hope you're part of the next uh wave that comes in and yeah, uh too, yeah. I, yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna send you a message and maybe you can uh personalize the box so where again can people find your book you I, think you, amazon. I, I think there's some of the stores still but uh, amazon yeah they're still being out there okay. amazon.ca uh, I, I'm both in, in the U.S. as well, but uh, what I'll do is you send me your address and I'll send you a book. All right. Okay. okay. I I don't want you to wander out in Ontario. I know the numbers right now in Ontario regards to COVID, so I don't want I don't want you to wander out to your out of your home if you don't have to, right, Dennis? No, it's just to the I have I've, I have some here, and uh, yeah, I end up going to the LCBO. Uh, I like my drink my wine and then the red wine and then the grocery store. I don't go too far up. What's your uh, go-to red wine? Mine's a Malbec. What, how about yourself? Uh, I'm a California cab guy. So there you go. Wow. California uh, cab. We uh, don't have a – I find I have relatives in Ontario, um, in Ottawa, and I find the – because they have an LCBO, but then they also have the beer stores, two separate uh, right, places. Right. I find in, in Ontario the LCBOs don't have the same – uh, product is the NSLC here in the Maritimes has. So um, it, it's unfortunate because like yourself and uh, many other alumni have mentioned about um, products. And I know uh, Nick Caprio has got a product out called Little Buddha. It's a spirit and also doesn't come in Halifax. So um, there's, it's, un there's it's wine, unfortunate. There's a wine that's called Crusher. Uh, you know, Kruzelinski okay. Crusher starts with the C. C-R-U-S-H-E-R. It's okay. Seventeen dollars. It's a great okay. bottle of red wine. Okay. Where's I'm gonna it? I'm gonna check that out. Maybe that might be in Halifax. So yeah, I, have to I, look. Hope so. I hope so. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know, I but, know but uh, you guys. Have, I know but you have great lobsters out there. 
I wish I could. I wish I could send you a lobster. I know you have connections. I know you have a sister here in the Maritime, right. so uh, right, right. she'll send anytime, you some Clearwater lobster. Anytime I want lobster, I also uh, uh, it's my sister or uh, my good friend Steve Walton who puts on a lot of charity games. Uh, he's got a place there, Moncton, the Tipsy Tomato. Yeah, he uh, he's he resides in St. John, New Brunswick, I believe. I uh, he had some events here with um, with Teresa, I believe it was. Yeah, we're we're uh, just waiting. Really, really cool just, people. I'm just waiting to hear from him uh, regarding getting uh, some events going. You know, when they start opening up that travel and stuff like that. Yeah. So, but he gets their vaccine. Sorry, were you ever part of the? I know I've. Said I was going to let you go, but were you ever part of that old timers hockey challenge? You remember that? Mm, he had Steve had. Uh, it was called the old timers, wasn't it? Weren't they called? The uh, I'm not sure who ran it, but I I um. And then they, they I wasn't sure if you were part of the. It was just called old timers hockey challenge. Back uh, in the day, I wasn't sure was, if you were part uh, of that. Steve Shot and, and Lafleur and all those guys. Yeah, uh, Levon Cornway, Gump yeah. Worsley, Johnny Bauer, Lanny. Yeah, uh, they, Billy they, Smith. Yeah, they lost. Uh, they lost that sponsor, I guess, and they had to fold. Uh, yeah. yeah, I did a few things with them uh, years, many years ago. Yeah, I just, I just saw online. That, why I bring it up? Because I just saw online um, a whole old timers hockey jersey with you, Billy Smith, and uh, Gary, Gary Lehman. So I just, I wasn't sure if that was still going or not. I was going to pr promote it, but obviously that. It's not well, still going. With, uh, we do a lot with Andrew Jackson, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show. Yes, we do uh, Jack, Jackson I events do, with uh, Dave Ellis Kid and, and Bob Clark. Yeah, I do a lot with Andrew as well. Yeah. There you go. Awesome, my man. Thank you very much for joining myself here on the OI. We'll, we'll have you on very soon. And uh, Anytime. Is, there, Anytime. is there one, is there one uh, particular NHL team you're hoping to win the Stanley Cup besides the Capitals? <laughs> you said it. Besides the Capitals. I got to vote for Toronto. There's no doubt about it. I'm, I live in Toronto now. I'm, I'm from Toronto, live in London. So I've always cheered for Maple Leafs. There's no doubt about it. Uh, uh, number one team, of course, is the Capitals. And the number one two, two team will be the Toronto Maple Leafs. And hopefully one day, I think everybody wants the Toronto Maple Leafs to win the Stanley Cup because the, 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 the Toronto will just go crazy. There's no doubt about it. Canada will just go crazy. So there you go. What? What do you think Toronto's chances are to get, to make it to the final two for for Lord Stanley? Uh, you know, if they stay healthy, I think that's the key. If they stay healthy, uh, and um, we've got some goaltending issues right now too, right? So, well, I mean, Campbell's not bad. He seems to be doing uh, doing pretty as, good. As long as he stays in the net and doesn't play the yeah. puck, right? Yeah, he. Well, that's all right. Goalies happen. Look at uh, look at Smith there <laughs> in Edmonton, right? Same yeah. thing. Um, but uh, no, they're they're. I think they'll get it all figured out. Uh, they they just they just need to be consistent. Like you know, like and I think if they continue, they lost a bunch of games. A lot of the teams have caught them. They just need to be can be consistent going in there and play strong defensively because they they got players going to score and produce. They know, there's no doubt about it. They got they got toughness. They got maturity. Um, if they want to fight, they got guys to fight. Um, um, the back end. You know, a suspect has not been um, back end meaning defense has not been uh, real steady, I guess, uh, in and out. But uh, they rely a little bit on the goaltending. But if they can get all those things worked out, uh, they got a good chance. There's no doubt. Look what they did to Edmonton that three game series. That shocked everybody. One, one goal in three games. Now they, they got uh, 
four goals in four games versus Toronto Maple Leafs. And that happens. Sometimes teams just don't have a hard time beating another team where they go in against someone else and they just destroy them, you know. That's what it is. Look at Toronto and Ottawa. Look at Ottawa's done to Toronto. Uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that would happen. You think Toronto would just blow Ottawa right out, but it's it's turned right around. Ottawa's played them pretty tough, and but then look at them against Edmonton. They just they seem to have Edmonton's number. Ottawa's a tough building to win in. This Dennis, this happens all the time. You mentioned the Capitals. So as, as interviews go on, thoughts come to my head, but I I. This is this is my last word. Okay. Speaking of the Capitals, I believe Ovechkin's. Let's say Ovechkin's 175 goals away from beating Wayne Gretzky's record. Your your Capitals. You played with the Capitals. Do you think Do you think Alexander Ovechkin can surpass Wayne Gretzky in, in his 892 goal total? I believe he can if he stays healthy. There's, that's the key thing is, is health. If he, because he's a strong man, he's mm-hmm. still got a great shot. Uh, what do you get? What do you get one or two last night? He's, he's got yeah. 18 or whatever goals. And then now so uh, he had a slow one, start. He had a slow start. And COVID's not helping either, right, Dennis? No, right no. now with this shortened season, we can't have any many, can't have any more shortened seasons. And you're right, more healthy seasons, uh, he can easily surpass it. I, right? I, he'll catch. He'll catch Dion. I'm pretty sure he'll catch Dion yep. this year, and then next year he'll catch uh, the next guy in front. Um, but I think the key thing is uh, the way the game is today. It's perfect for him to break the record. It's perfect. Are the goalies different than when Gretzky got to shoot against? Yes, the goalies <laughs> today are bigger. They, they barely uh, move because the pads weighed too much from being soaked. So- they're so tall and so strong. That's why you scored 60 goals. The guy didn't want to go down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there, you know, that year I had 60, he had 92 and I could have had 80 goals that year. That's just the way it was. Yeah. All those, you know, if they had video, I would have had 80. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I could have had 75, 80 goals that year. Yeah. It was one of those years. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome, man. Okay. We're going to, we're going to have you on again. Again, very soon. So uh, take care of yourself. And and thank you. Thank you for joining me here on the OI. Anytime.